Hello and welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bichon. Well, I've been told recently that all of the wheat pasture is gone, Dana. Is that true? <laughs> that seems a little extreme. <laughs> I don't think so, but what we about, are in a situation. What about you, Josh? There's, is it all gone? It's still there. It's holding on by its last leg. It's a situation. Yeah. You talked about the nine lives. It yeah. has a few more lives, maybe. Well, my wheat never got big enough to graze. So I've got a huge pasture. I say huge pasture. It's actually a very small pasture full of a lot of calves that are just sitting there in dry lot. Uh, part of my messed up plan to try to long wean calves and everything else. But it kind of leads into this topic of can you afford to feed calves when you're a guy that doesn't have access to commodity blends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, we are in a situation where there's a lot of really, really short wheat. And so, um, if you're still at the stocking rate that you applied, you know, if you had a decent wheat crop, Josh, did we start, did a lot of people put out calves with a decent, you know, four plus inches of forage? Uh, not really. No. So. Kind of kicked out when it's a little small. So. Because we needed it, right? We needed it. Didn't have anywhere else for them to go. Yeah. Well, there are areas up in Grant County and Alfalfa County that got a decent rain there in the fall that they were able to get some forage up. Yeah, there was some. And right here around Garfield County, I had a producer that actually got decent wheat pasture to begin with, and I kind of commended him on it. And then I realized that I must be a really lazy person because he told me it took planning 24-7 before the rain to get that accomplished. And I was like, well, I feel bad about myself now. You mean you didn't do that? No, I didn't. Okay. (laughs) Don't feel bad. There's still plenty of wheat in Grant County that doesn't look very well. Right. So, And if it hasn't been grazed, I'll be honest, it doesn't look bad, yeah. you know, if it hasn't been grazed. So, and we talked about that previously. Um, but just to set the stage, so, you know, typically when we, you know, in a normal year, we think about um, if we're having a higher stocking rate, so we put more calves per acre, we get more gain per acre necessarily, but lower individual calf gain. If we have lower stocking rates, you have higher calf gain because there's more forage out there, um, but you know lower overall uh, gain per acre. So lots of words there. But we're at a situation where this higher stocking rate, unless you're replacing some of that wheat, unless you're adding some commodity blends, as you mentioned, Trent, or you know some additional nutrition to that, we're really in a situation where we're probably grazing that wheat well past you know, getting to that growing point, damaging that wheat. Um, if your calves are like leaving dust trails as they walk in a single file line across the, the wheat, it's, it's, we're in a tough situation. Well, you'll, you'll often see producers try to pad out wheat to begin with when it comes to like putting straw out there or mm-hmm. something like that. If you're going to be supplementing these calves on wheat, trying to stretch some of that forage, is it better to go to the haystack that's the least quality and mix that with the high quality wheat? Or am I better off feeding a high plane of nutrition across the board? Well, in the situation where we had a lot of, in in the situation where we have a lot of wheat, it's doing well. Some producers feel good about adding more um, different things for them to eat. So you'll see straw out there. I personally don't think that they get a whole lot out of that. I don't think a calf is going to say, hmm, I'm tired of eating this highly nutritious, delicious forage. I'm going to eat this, you know, straw that has nothing. So, you know, some producers do that. Um, there is the talk that, uh, wheat is very high, high protein and by adding some energy. So a higher, just a, you know, moderate quality hay, adding some a little bit of energy to that, some uh, more fiber to the system that that helps. And that does help in situations where we have enough 
wheat pasture. In this situation, like you said, we really have to be feeding those calves. If we we ha- and we have to think about the goals. So we're in a situation where producers, you know, coming very soon are going to need to make a decision. Am I going to feed these calves to continue the gain level to get them to pasture? Or are we going to cut our losses? So Trent, you're waiting. Your calves are sitting in a dry lot waiting. Well, are you at that are you are you at that point? Well, it's all about your goals and, and what you hope to accomplish. So oftentimes we have in our mind that we're gonna keep them till March one or March fifteen and we're gonna do whatever it takes to stretch that. Others have gone ahead and shipped cattle. But a calf is a very complex uh, individual, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think about where are these animals going to go after they leave wheat. You know, we we get by on wheat because it's probably more than they need, even yes. as a growing calf in a normal year. So yes. you just let them eat as much as they possibly can, and you move on in life. Once they leave the wheat pasture and they go to a feedlot, well, then that becomes a highly complicated ration and and feeding situation. And if you're going to try to marry those two, well, how do you know how much wheat they're getting? How do you know, you know, exactly what intake they're getting from the wheat to, in order to supplement that? So to me, it's somebody doing someone else's job most of the time when you come to just the typical rancher uh, with calves on wheat. If you're not used to feeding these either commodities or just as a lot of people will have 20% cubes in their feed truck and when they show up that that might be what those wheat pasture calves are going to mm-hmm. get a supplement. You really got to know what you're doing in my opinion or else you're just going to spend a lot of money and and needlessly. Right. So, I just recently looked at a Nebraska paper they were reporting on just this very thing, you know. They looked at different groups of calves, the calves that got really no supplement, they were just on dry grass, calves that got a little bit of supplement to maybe get a half a pound of gain or maybe up to a pound of gain, and then calves that were fed to gain, you know, two plus pounds per day. And really the calves that you fed that moderate level to that, you know, fed to gain half a pound to one pound, they really didn't pay long-term. Now these calves were retained. So... Um, the thing to think about is what are, where are they going? Are you just, is your goal to take them straight to the sale barn um, here in a couple weeks? Is that your original goal? Or are you retaining them for another, you know, forage system where you're going to take them to graze out or something else? I think that makes a difference. Um, of course, you know, I, I understand that you can't, that if the money's not there to buy that feed, you shouldn't probably do it. But uh, calves who are fed to gain, you know, that that two and a quarter pounds or just under two pounds, they really do a lot better because we've given them the nutrition to, you know, grow, um, add that musculature and given the metabolism to be able to continue to gain even on after we have this sweet pasture situation. So um, that's, that's a good point, Trent, you know, don't it's probably not going to pay to just feed a couple pounds of 20s and move on with our lives. I think you really need to put pencil to paper to see what what you need if you want to keep them. Yeah, and I've watched some auctions here recently, and, and trade has been rather choppy in the last week. We're, and I'm no cattle buyer mm-hmm. <laughs> by any means, but I'll see a set of calves come in that look just like the one that brought $1.70, and they'll bring $1.30, and I think, you know, this is kind of a bloodbath. 
in terms of thinking about what if I was feeding these calves for four weeks to sell them and then they end up not being quite what someone wants. So mm -hmm. you got to be careful not to get them too fleshy doing right. this. Right. Because uh, you're giving them a different type of supplement. If you get them fat and they come off of wheat, then, you know, you're, you're going to get discounted for that. And you certainly wouldn't want that. I just think looking as a business manager, I look at different enterprises and, you know, the wheat pasture enterprise is a completely different thing than the feedlot enterprise. And if your calves are six, 700 pounds, they'll fit into a feedlot incredibly nicely and just ship them in my opinion. Now, as you said, if you got some lightweight calves, maybe they're fives or not quite six weights and you're going to have grass pasture, well, they're straightened out and ready to go. You'd hate to get rid of that factory mm -hmm. if you can hold them long enough. But Josh, with the drought and everything, how long is it going to take for Bermuda native grass to, to green up in the spring? You know, we might have a period where we have to have those calves on full feed in between the wheat pasture resource, if we're not going to graze out, and the grass resource. So to me, there's just a whole lot of variables here. Oh, of here. course. And, yes. and feed costs are higher as they've ever been mm -hmm. in, in a lot of situations. Yeah. So I guess we're here at a, we're at a crossroads. We're really beyond the supplementation phase. If you have cattle and wheat, we're not supplementing. Supplementing means we're complementing the forage we have. These calves really need fed. We're substituting forages. What we say with, um, this is, you know, not a lot of people have silage. We would feed ad limitum silage at this point um, to complement that wheat pasture. It's always good to know on any forage that you feed, what the quality of it is, okay? Um, then, you know, for those who don't have silage, which a lot of people don't, an energy supplement fed at um, three quarters of a percent of body weight um, will help that along, and um, that's a good that's a good place to start. So a 700 pound calf at three quarters of a percent of body weight is between five and six pounds um, of an energy supplement. So like a 14 percent or Trent mentioned corn. If you can find it, it's high. Everything's high. I had a price of 14% supplement the other day of 295, and that's as cheap as I've seen it. So you've really got to do the math. Um, Extension is here to help you do that if you would like to. It's good to have lots of knowledge of all the variables in your system and, and know what you really want to do um, because we are at that crossroads. I think it's also important from a cultural practice standpoint to be careful about what you're feeding these calves because first and foremost, I like to call myself a wheat farmer and then I try to graze when possible and, and play rancher. But if I'm going to go out there and say feed some uh, subpar hay that might be weedy or something like that and might have a mature pigweed plant in it or something, that calf somehow carries that across the field, spreading seeds and everything, or rye. You can see that right. pass through the right. digestive system of a calf and sprout out in your field. I think be incredibly careful about yes. just putting any hay bale out there. You know, I try to use grass of some kind, Bermuda or something that is fairly clean. So I'm not spreading a bunch of weed seeds across my wheat field in, in a situation where the calves probably aren't getting enough to pay for it anyway. Right. <laughs> you know? So it's, yes. it's, it's just negative upon negative upon negative uh, when you're looking at that. And then um, we also have a new email address. It's a little bit new. It's been out there for a while. But we would like to invite the li listeners, if you have a question that you would like to pose to us, really any question, right, guys? I mean, yeah. um, we all have a, a wide, wide array of experiences. So um, at, we would like you to pose a question if you would like, and we'd like to address it in um, a couple of our episodes. Our web address or email, email, that's better. Our email is extensionexperience at okstate.edu. 
um, no underscores or anything like that, just all lowercase, um, pose us a question. We would like to use your questions as kind of topics, and we want to know what's going on out in the field. So if you have a report or question, go ahead and send it to us. And if you're like me and you struggle in the spelling department, I'm sure you'll have that linked in the show yes, notes. Yes, I will. <laughs> that is really long. I mean, I could spell it out, guys, but that would be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, only if you do it phonetically. Okay. Though, right? <laughs> so... But yeah, b before we leave, Dana, I, I kind of had one last thought on that uh, feeding calves thing. Okay. If I've decided that I am done with this and I want to I want to ship my calves, what would be the best condition or the best thing to do to kind of prepare them for sale that you've seen in, in the sale ring? Well, the first thing is don't make sure as you're going through it, hopefully they're not too fat. Yeah. Um, that's the best thing. Um you know, it's good not to deliver your calves to the sale barn or the livestock market when they are, you know, just really, um, you know, have looked like they have been through the ringer, you know, mm -hmm. like a day like today or a, a wet day, you know, delivering calves that are going to sell in six hours. That's a little bit that can be a little bit rough on calves. So my encouragement, if this is what you're referring to, Trent, is, yeah. you know, deliver your calves a couple days in advance. I know that's extra feed costs that you incur, but help allows them to settle down, to fill up, to dry off if they have the opportunity to do that. I've seen um, a lot of calves go through the sale ring that just look, you know, they're wet, they're muddy. Um, they've been through the ringer, although they've just been delivered, you know, to the sale barn. So they haven't, you know, been there very long, but just gives them the opportunity mm -hmm. to to settle down and they look better. I mean, if you've ever been to the airport and you see people get off a four hour flight and they're walking right. down that tunnel, they, they don't look too good either. And, and calves can be the same way. <laughs> right. If you've never watched a sale, uh, some people, a lot of people do, but if you've never watched a sale, just watch the calves and think in your mind, what do I think these would be worth? And then figure out what they actually bring. Mm -hmm. It's all, you know, they're on, they're on video auction for most of our livestock auctions have that option and it's opened my ideas or opened my mind to the ideas of how to ship cattle and what they should look like. Yeah. I hope that's what you're referring to. Jim. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It is. Yeah. So deliver them in time for them to get filled up, to relax a little bit and, and look the best they can as they go through the ring. All right. Well, that covered a lot of topics. Thank you, Dana, for that. And gives me some things to think about with my own operation and I might have to submit some of my own questions to extension experience at okstate.edu and maybe we can have a whole episode of you ask us questions so with that thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time